You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. If this podcast has fallen into your lap by someone or you've just come across it by chance, then I guarantee that this podcast is for you and it will come with a message that will help you in so many ways and make you rethink things and just rethink life in general. I am so blessed and so grateful to have done this podcast with Chris Noel. She was a blessing in disguise for me at the time and I just love it because this podcast was all about bringing out stories and sharing things that maybe not a lot of people hear, not a lot of people see because we think that we should hide them and we think that maybe it'll make us a lesser of a person. And we go into all depths of areas into Chris's life in this podcast and it's really magical to hear her story, to hear her growth, to see how she's created her life for her and her children and what she teaches them from everything that she's been through because my goodness, it's a hell of a lot and I'm not going to share with it to you all now because I want you to listen to this entire episode because literally from the start to the finish, there is so much gold. So enjoy, um, grab yourself a cup of tea and relax and have some fun. Let this podcast teach you some things that maybe you would have never been taught doing something else with your time in this wonderful hour of the day. Welcome, Chris, uh, to the Shoes Unshakable podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Um, Huge welcome all the way from over the other side of the world. So good to have you on. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, excited to be here with you. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about so much fun stuff today. Um, and obviously, as you know, my first question that I love to ask people is, what is your morning routine and what do you do in the morning to set yourself up for success? Mm. Morning. Mornings are fun. I have three kiddos, so at this point we are pretty regimented. Um, my alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and then I go out to the jacuzzi and I meditate in there. Um, then I come back in and I wake up the kiddos and I grind my co- my decaf coffee beans, um, make my coffee as they make their breakfast and lunch, and we just kind of sit around and talk and do all those things. And then I go put on fake eyelashes because I love magnetic eyelashes, and then we roll for the day. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is so good. You put your eyelashes on every day. Uh, no, not every day, probably like three days a week. Uh, but that is the only makeup I wear. And well, I have glitter on my eyelash or my eye. I, what are these things? Eyelids. <laughs> That's all I do. Oh, brilliant. That's so good. That's just made my day. I love it. Um, awesome. So tell us, tell us a little bit of a story about your, your backstory. Um, obviously your, your upbringing and everything that you've been through since then too. Oh, thank you for inviting me to share. I know that um, your listeners love this about your podcast, so I'm I'm getting deep real quick. Um, I was uh, in the foster care system until I was, well, I I was 
perfectly in it when I was four, had 20 words vocabulary, I had four sisters or three sisters at that time. Um, they were also there. So, um, infant, me, another sister and my oldest sister. So, um, my sister who was younger than me had two words vocabulary and I had 20. So you can imagine what kind of life we were living and what our bio parents were like for that to happen. The second time we were abandoned at a hotel, the government really stepped in and at that time put us in the foster care system. So we jumped around from a couple of families and landed with my parents, my adoptive parents, I called them my parents. And um, we stayed with them for several years before the courts would agree to sever my biological parents' rights. So um, we ended up being adopted when I was almost eight. And um, from there, there's just lots of self-limiting beliefs um, that there's a reason you're abandoned, you're not a good enough kid, that you're not worthy of love, that you have to always prove to people why they should keep you around, or even so much as if you mess up one time, um, like you're a complete and utter failure. And that sort of thing. So that was really my childhood. Um, we gave my parents a run for their money. Um, God bless them. Um, I was an awful child, awful. Um, lied, stole, you know, uh, would keep food because food was not always around. So I would hoard food um, and, and that kind of thing. So probably about 16 years old, I really landed on my feet and got healthy, um, graduated as valedictorian from high school, went on to college, got several degrees, um, and got married, had babies, have a business, all things <laughs> in between all of that. I love, <laughs> I love how quickly um, it just like, oh, I just exploded. <laughs> yes, yes, I fast forwarded it like times 10 on you. How old are your kids now? Um, my oldest is about to turn 16, then 13, and 9. Okay, wow, awesome. Brilliant. And um, so, I mean, I'd love to know a little bit more about your, your childhood story, I guess. I don't know. Can you Do you recall much of your childhood? Nope. Uh, yeah. My brain really went into protector mode. I don't recall anything probably until about sixth grade. Um I just, I know that there was, from the reports that um, my parents got from all the doctors, there's a lot of abuse, there's a lot of malnutrition, there's a lot of neglect. Um, but we can only hypothesize at it because uh, if you talk to my bio mom, everything was great. She was a drug on drugs, she was a prostitute. Um, my bio dad was a drug dealer who got killed in a hit and run. Um, so they were just not quality people, so you can imagine the kind of people then that we as babies were hanging around. Mm. Yeah. And did your, your parents, did they take all four of you guys on? They took three of us. Uh, the state kept three of us siblings together. And then the infant um, was adopted by another family. She, she was adopted very quickly. Um, people love adopting babies. Uh, placing older children is, is much more difficult. Mm. And that's why it took so long. Um, I am in I wouldn't say I'm in contact with her anymore, but um, we did, my parents and her parents tried really hard to keep us in contact. Nice, cool. And so what, I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of, I guess, trauma there as well, right? There's so much healing that needs to be done through that time, especially, you know, adapt not just adapting to a life, but, you know, actually realizing that <clears throat> people do love you and people do want you around and that, 
yeah, that, you know, there is love for you. Um, how has that played out in, you know, in the rest of your life? Or, I mean, I guess, how did you, how did you learn to, to get through that? A loaded question. Um, I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really lucky that my parents loved us unconditionally. Um, probably about four years ago, I went to a leadership retreat and really realized how much my parents stuck their neck out and their hearts out to help us become healthy, whole individuals. Um, they never put us in any sort of drugs, but they did put us into talk therapy for years. Anytime anything new would get triggered, immediately would go back into talk therapy. Um, and they would always be telling us they loved us and that um, we were strong and amazing and we didn't need to be embarrassed about our path, like all the time. My parents are just incredible. Um, and then when I met uh, my husband in college, um, point blank told him that it was going to be a difficult relationship and that um, <laughs> poor guy, he's gone through so many hurdles. Like this is just to tell you, when we got, we were getting married, I told him um, that I would love him, but he would never be my best friend just because my heart was so still feeling like a, I wasn't worthy of having someone like that, that just loves me unconditionally. And here we are 17 years later, still together. He's my best friend. He's stuck through every hurdle over and over and over. Um, and I still do talk therapy. I still write journals. Um, and I've gotten really particular thank you to COVID at this point on who is in my tribe and worthy of my time and my love and my affection. Um, so I would say a lot of healings happened in these last eight months of COVID. Amazing. That's, it's really interesting, isn't it? How this year has, has been so different for so many people. And for some people it's been incredible and a journey of huge development and growth and for other people, it's been like the worst thing in the entirety of their life. Uh, and it's so interesting to hear just the different sides of the stories and how different people are dealing with, I guess, the unknown, essentially. Like this started and no one really knew what was going on and no one still, I don't think, really knows what's going on. Um, you know, we're kind of in this situation of, of limbo um, and it's amazing how different people can yeah, can basically delve with, with those different things. Um, so how, like, obviously you've, you've done a lot of degrees in your time as well, which is, which is super cool. It's super awesome. What made you sort of go and delve deep into education and really go crazy on it? Like, were you searching for something? Um, were you looking for anything or was, was you just interested in just learning? looking for anything. I wish I could say that I was an intentional leader and had an intentional path. I love the people who say, I knew what I wanted from the time I was seven years old and they're doing it, right? Like, it's incredible to me. There's not or, many of them. What's that? There's not that many of them. There's not that many of them. Uh, no, I'm an incredibly accidental human. Um, I've realized how accidental I am. Uh, when I went to college, it's because that's what my parents said we were doing, yeah. so um, that's what I did. So when I got there, I just started taking lots of units to figure out what I wanted, um, and I loved music, so one of my degrees is in music. Um, when I was getting going through the credential program, I realized I didn't love teaching music. I loved playing music. Mm-hmm. I didn't love teaching it. 
So um, at that point, I went back and got a business degree. Um, and through the business degree, and I got emphasis in accounting and human resources. Uh, I picked up some jobs along the way, and one of them was a receptionist. And I realized, nope, being a receptionist is not for me. Um, so is my thing education? No, it was not. It was not until the 2008 recession, until I got laid off three times, that I launched my business. And from that, started educating people about financial freedom. So, um, no, not at all. I mean, accidental, again. Cool. And so what made you decide to start your own business? Like, what made you go in that direction? Like, a lot of people would just keep looking for jobs, right? And just live the life that they had lived. So what made you go a different path? Um, what made me go a different path? Oh, um, I'm kind of a rebellious human. <laughs> um, and there's only so many times you can beat your head against the wall trying the same path before you try a different path. So being laid off once is embarrassing enough. Um, being laid off a second time, you really start to question yourself. Mm -hmm. Being laid off a third time with my history, thinking I'm not good enough, there's a reason I'm not hireable, there's a reason people aren't keeping me, and it's me. I'm the reason that people aren't keeping me, um, not because they had financial issues, which now that I'm older, I realize. Um, <laughs> But um, it was me, and so I was like, fine, if, if nobody wants to hire me and I'm unhirable and I'm not smart enough, I'm just going to do my own thing because um, then I can make my own hours um, and, I'll, and if it ends up costing money, at least my husband will be happy that I'm happy um, doing something. So that's really why I launched TNT. It was that I thought I knew everything at the young age of, what was that, 23 um, and that I could do it all and be it all, um, because I wasn't enough for other people. Wow. Cool. And how has that journey been for you so far from launching a business to running it? Um, well, very quickly, I realized that it's a lot harder to run a business than people think it is. It's really sexy until you do it yourself. <laughs> judge people to high heaven that they're doing it wrong um, I think that's how we all are right we're, we're all naturally judgy um, and if you don't have empathy and you haven't walked that path um, you're highly critical with that judgment um, so now that I've run this business for a while gosh if I could go back to my 23 year old self and just say hey be patient there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes that you have no idea about I would love to be able to do that. So I have reached out to past mentors and um, shared that. Running my business now and overseeing staff and um, we mentor businesses. So during COVID, it's, you know, some businesses are doing great and some businesses have closed. Um, it's really walking that authentic path on what does freedom look like to them and how do we support them with respect in doing that. Um, I think that in doing that over the last 12 years, it's really helped me grow up and face the mirror on, uh, how do I say this, on excuses or lies that I was telling myself about myself. Like you really have to be healthy to mentor other people to be healthy. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I am a person of integrity and I do not share things or say things that I myself um, haven't walked that path or gone through now. I think that comes with age a little bit, if that made any sort of sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I totally get what you mean. Um, and I think, you know, I completely agree that you've got to be authentic and you've got to be able to have done something or at least tried something, <laughs> you know, to be able to to show people what they're doing. Um, and I know that this, you know, hasn't been uh, an easy ride for you either. Like there's obviously the limiting beliefs that, that your childhood has brought on uh, that potentially keep playing a role uh, in your life. I would love to know how do I mean do they do they still come up now like have how have you what have you built for yourself in order to I guess get through some of those challenges we talked about you know um being a melancholy and understanding that you know the joy and the sadness they they go together as well so can you dig into that a little bit for me joy and the sadness go hand in hand what a beautiful thing have you had uh read no happy endings I have not, no. He talks about this a lot, how um, the joy and the sadness and the joy and the grieving, they can go hand in hand, um, and we think we can't live with them simultaneously occurring. Mm. Um, And your melancholy, I would agree. Um, I'm an Enneagram 4. If people on your podcast follow that, um, that is where I'm most comfortable residing, melancholy. I think I'm happy, but really I'm just (laughs) melancholy. So um, do triggers still come up? Oh, all the time. Like I think it's you think you've healed something and you peel back another layer and you Mm -hmm. realize you haven't done the work that you thought you did. So you have to go backwards and heal that. And, you know, it's an up and down thing. Um, I'm turning 40 this year. Yay. And I, um, yeah, thank you. I love birthdays. And um, to me, it's just another phase that you get to, grow and look back at where you've come and are you where you're at um there are times that um due to due to things that have happened um that I still have to sleep with the light on or I I you know Eric um my husband isn't allowed to touch me because I'm going through something um that I can't put into words or I don't even have a memory to pull from um so that when that mm-hmm. happens I do go back to EMDR I do seek professional help um I'm an avid reader so I tried to read um couple books a week on that and really just like get into the depth of who we are Eckhart Tolle um, broken open like all of these things that just like remind us that what's stopping us is actually our ego um, and we're making things more complicated than it needs to be so a hundred percent triggers still happen um, and it's just just keep trying to put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. trying to show up each day yeah and it's a, I mean, my goodness, like your, your stories, you know, it's intense, right? Um, and I think what's so cool is, is watching what you've been able to do for yourself and, and standing strong, you know, in, in you and, and knowing as well. I think so many people judge that, that sadness too. So many people judge that, they even judge happiness. Like I find that people think, oh, that person's so happy they must be lying or that, you know, that must be wrong. Or same with sadness, like, oh, that person can't be that sad. Like they must be making it up kind of thing. And you hear things like bizarre judgment things that come up rather than just accepting that that's just 
what it is and and that that's just the way that things are at the moment and that's totally okay um and enjoying the moment like being present in that moment that you know sometimes you're gonna have times where it's tough and then other times you're gonna have times where it's great and you know that's just that's all just part of the journey um I'd love to know like as a mum uh, this is kind of a different question, but how have you how have you brought up your kids in a way of of understanding, maybe from your learning and from from what you've been through? Have you have you put any of that sort of stuff into into their upbringing? Yes, yes. Um, from probably day one, um, <clears throat> we've done it. Um, been very open about the adoption and who Nana and Papa is, and you know, um, not trying to shame them about drugs. That kind of this is this is the path that could happen when people do get addicted to drugs. And while my bio parents probably did love us, um, it ended up that drugs were more important. And so just kind of being open because then they have lots of questions well are nana and papa really your parents like the the questions kids ask um and i think even then um i I can't touch them in a way that they would want to be touched like children's touch is innocent and they just want to be around you and hug and you know children just like velcro to you and i can't do that so my first instinct when people come up no matter who it is is i just lean back Um, and it's something I'm still working on in therapy. Like I just, because I'm afraid of the touch, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Um, so we've had to walk with the kiddos a lot about what informed consent looks like, which is important anyway to teach them. Um, thankfully my husband, his first love language is touch. So anytime they want to cuddle or something, they can go to dad and he's like six, one, six, two. So he's like (laughs) a bear, you know, he can take it all. Um, it's really been amazing. Um, I'm probably going to drop a bomb on, but I was raped. And so with that, um, with that conversation for my boys and teaching them what informed consent looks like now, and even on the other side, when men get falsely accused on how to handle that and walk that path with grace on both sides, but then rejection, my oldest son, 16, like how do you have that conversation when Mm. I harbor feelings and preconceived notions that I'm always going to trust the woman because of what's happened to me, where I need to be able to take my son's side as well and support him. So we've had a lot of open conversations about that um, and about what healing looks like and, and why I'm the way I am so that they can deal with some of their stuff. Um, because of course, you know, it's generational. They're going to have to heal from the stuff I'm putting on them, even though I don't mean to. Yeah. Wow. Um, what conversations to have with your children as well, right? I mean, yeah. that must be amazing for them in, in like the growth that they would be having from from being a vet. Like parents don't talk to their kids about stuff like that. Like the vast majority would steer clear from any conversation that's anywhere close to that. You know, it's like no, we're not even going there. But like the the learning and the education that they can get from understanding that is you know, substantial, that's next level. It's amazing. Um, and you know, uh, what, what a blessing in disguise that you may never even realize in a sense for your children. Um, uh, one would hope, I think though, my 
15, 16 year old, he's still an angry teenager who, when girls say no to him, still gets broken up about. So maybe he'll have faster learning. I don't know. It's not like my, I don't even want to say my kids are great because of how open we are. It's just, um, we're very transparent about what it looks like to be a human and that feelings are normal and you don't just pack them down and pretend they're not there. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And so um, you mentioned uh, a brain injury. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us that story? Oh, sure. Uh, Brain injury on top of everything else. So it was seven years ago, actually. I was just celebrating on my Facebook about it all. Um, I was playing a game with my hubby soccer, um, football in some of the the world, Um, and I uh, took a ball straight to the head and um, got an immediate concussion, um, slipped six months of my life away, then followed by years of PT, OT, speech therapy to learn how to live again, walk, talk, all the things. Um, And I think, I mean, it's just, it it was so dramatic, like how much pain is involved in that. Like you think you have control of your body and in the bed, you'll be sitting there going, please move, please move, nothing moves. Um, and you can't even make it to the bathroom in time. You can't wash your own hair. You can't, my youngest was two. So, um, you know, still breastfeeding her. So like the, my husband took pictures of, I have no awareness. My husband took pictures of that time, um, to document, but it was just three years of intense, recovery and pain and I don't do any drugs because of my bio parents being drug drug addicts so it was all holistically healing and working with um, neurologists that would support that so while you're in this immense amount of pain still advocating for yourself that you're refusing to take any Vicodin or stuff to, to dull the pain because you want to get to the root cause of the pain not band-aid it and then have a drug addiction on top so that was a journey in itself um, and then telling yourself you're worth the time and effort that people have to put in to helping you heal. Um, Cause I couldn't cook dinners anymore. I couldn't drive our kids anywhere. I wasn't at any of their games. Like just as a mom, it was a devastating time for me as a human. It was just, Oh, it was, it was soul breaking. There's not a time that I wanted to commit suicide or anything like that, but it was a very dark period of my life. That's crazy. Yeah. Just, I mean, on top of everything that you've already been through as well I'm like do you want to cut your break a little bit (laughs) some time just to enjoy and have some time to yourself um and what was the what was your holistic healing process like through that time like what do you was there anything in particular that you did to to help um if I could take baths and essential oils and all the amber necklaces there were in the world I probably would have Um, but I did all of that stuff. Um, I did a lot of chiropractic care and acupuncture. Um, I just recently got into floating, which is amazing for anybody with chronic pain or, um, anxiety because it really just quiets your whole body and lets you move. Like, I feel like a mermaid in there. So, um, I'm still recovering from the brain injury. It's not like I can say I'm healed. I'm seven years out and I'm much farther along, um, than I, than I was then. So 
Yeah. Um, and then I went on the keto diet diet and that was incredible. It stopped all of the seizures. It stopped all of the migraines. It was just, um, the best thing for my body at that point, because you can't exercise. Like I couldn't really even get out of bed. So, um, making sure the avocado and coconut oil, everything that was going into me was, was good fat to heal the brain and whatever was going on there. Wow. So that was a couple of the things I did. Amazing. Um, and I mean, now, like, where, where, like, how do you feel now? I guess, you mean, you were still in business then, right? You were still, you still had your business. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that that, I don't know if you've got a team running it or if you had help being able to run that or you just had to take a bit of a pause. But, you know, how have you dealt with all of this stuff on top of running a business? So seven years ago, we, we had one, uh, no, two other teammates and they really handled everything um, at that point I, I was out of commission for over a year um, and then when I came back it was very slowly my right arm didn't work so um, you know kind of in counting you need to do the t- number keypad uh, couldn't do that so I, I wasn't able to do any bookkeeping or anything like that anymore um, so what it taught me real quick is that your team is everything um, delegate and elevate and make sure that you're all in the same plan, that a succession plan is crucial, just like being a parent or, um, you know, with all your monies, having a succession plan of where things are going to go after you die. Um, so it helped me grow up a lot in that there. Um, I was still scared that, that I was so needy and my team wouldn't stick around. They all did. So we're fine there. My husband still stayed with me. I'm fine there. Um, <laughs> But then where am I now? Um, since then, I've been rear-ended twice. So when you said, hey, can't you just catch a break? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I, I got to that point after two, two years ago, almost in December. Christmas Eve was two years ago. was rear-ended again. Um, and so at that point, I did have a breakdown and say, why me? Why does this keep happening? Like, what karma am I still paying for? And can I take a break? And then, you know, reading these books, it's just, it's not like there's a tally mark that you just keep getting things happening. You could be a good person and just have a crap life. Not that I have a crap life, but these things don't happen for a reason. It's just how we bounce back and recover from them. And what I was celebrating on my Facebook page is I'm trying to run a half marathon by the end of November. And I'm not a runner. I competitively swam through college. Um, but what I was celebrating is on Monday, I ran eight miles for the first time ever in my life. Um, and I had a personal best for each mile that I did it as 13 minute miles, which is incredible for me to just be picking this up. And in that moment, in my head, that was running through my head was um, all of the things that I've overcome to be able to get to that place. It's still hard. It still hurts yesterday. And I could barely walk. Um, because it's eight miles and I've never done it in my life. Uh, so like, but that's right. Um, that's how we keep pushing ourselves and how we keep leveling up. So that's how I look at it now. Like what's the next thing, next thing that's going to knock me down that I get the opportunity to come back from. And in that comeback story, what am I going to learn and, and how am I going to react to it in a way that I can look at it with, with, um, resilience and strength instead of looking at myself as broken. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously been a lot of growth and development in that too, right? I mean, you don't just get to a point in life where you're like, oh, I'm going to look at everything as an opportunity and growth rather than another way. <laughs> um, did you did you learn that 
somewhere? Does that just a development that you've happened on yourself of a shift in mindset or has that come from something else? That's a great question. I wish I could say I've always been the glasses half full my entire life and just been a positive outlook. Um, I think that it, it comes with ebbs and tides. And I think that's why that tribe is so important to you. Because when you start going down the dark path and the spiral, which I am prone to, you can have people call you up in that situation. So my husband is one of those people that once it's going on for a couple weeks, he can say, hey, Chris, um, I think you're getting depressed or I think that you're, you're going down a path. Like, how do I help? How do I support? And that's really all it takes for me. Um, and I'm, I'm an introvert, so I have a couple of close friends. It's the same thing that I've, I've grown enough of a relationship that when I have these thoughts in my head that I'm not good enough, I instantly reach out to them and they send something back or they send something in the mail that's a beautiful sticker I just got from a friend. Um, but that's how we keep each other looking at the positives. Um, internally, though, I think it's just that gratitude that every day I'm lucky enough to still be alive. Like people are doing everything right right now and still dying. Um, you know, not from COVID, but from a car accident or a house fire or just their heart gives out. And so for me, like I just, I think that's what COVID's really done for me is that I'm so lucky that everything that's happened, I shouldn't be here. I still get to be here. Um, and I'm going to honor that time one way or the other. I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. And yeah, everyone and anyone who listens to this podcast knows how much I love gratitude <laughs> and how big it is and how valuable it is and so simple. It's like the simplest thing that you can do in your day-to-day basis is just say what you're grateful for. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, I don't think most people even think about it just being that you're here, you know, that we, that we are on this planet and that we're alive and, and well and healthy. And I think so simple, so easy. And a choice that we get to make as well too, right? Okay, so one of my favorite questions is what's the scariest thing that you've ever done? What's the scariest thing that I have ever done? Um, I'm going to ponder that while I'm also going to say, <laughs> what do you do when <laughs> you start feeling like your gratitude is going astray? Is it just a switch? Do you just snap your fingers or, or how do you readjust? Uh, so when I do, cause I do my journaling in the morning, so I'll always write down what I'm grateful for. Um, if I feel like the day's gone bad, I'll do it at night as well, or I'll lie in bed and I'll just think about it. Um, and sometimes it's about just thinking on the real small things, like not big things, not major things, like the tiniest of things that could you know, it could be anything. I mean, we're in two weeks of hotel quarantine right now and no one wants to be in two weeks of hotel quarantine. Like it's not fun for anyone. But I also am so grateful that I get to do this with my partner and that I'm not on my own <laughs> and that, you know, we can keep each other, you know, we can have a conversation. I don't have to sit and watch television <laughs> and, you know, I, I've got my books we can read and just small things like, we, we got a, a little delivery of, of some special treats and it was so lovely and it was so wonderful. It literally made like the entire two weeks like so special just because this one moment, this uh, someone I met online bought some strawberries and some chocolates to our room because she works here. And I think often we, we attract gratitude in our life when we are grateful as well too. 
And I think many people don't really realize that and don't really appreciate it that much. But when we're not grateful and when, and not when we're sad, because we can still be grateful and sad, like sadness is just going to be there. But when we can be, you know, just grateful for the small things, even if it's, I don't even know, I'm like trying to think of a, like having a pen that works. You know, when you have a bad day and your pen stops working and you can't find a pen anywhere, (laughs) but then you find a pen that works on your desk and you're like, yes, I've got a pen that works. Or like this, like, oh, the audio works, my podcast, when it hasn't been working for weeks. Like the small things that just you you can smile about and that you can help other people smile about. And I agree, having a tribe, like this is why I wanted to set up this podcast was because I was so excited about having a space where people can actually share what's going on. There's so many of us that sit in that darkness on our own. We don't know where to go. We don't know who to reach out to. We feel trapped sometimes and lost about where we want to go forward and, and how to go forward. And that was like a big driver for me was creating not just this podcast, but the group and the space that we can have where people can come and talk to each other. And sometimes it's just someone saying, you know, well, what's what's something good that's happened to you today? <clears throat> and sometimes it's as simple as that. Or what's happened that's been good this week? And it, you know, it might have been a text message from a friend. It might be in a cool, you know, little connection or something. And I think there's so many things that we can be grateful for that it's just about getting a bit more creative. Yes, yes, absolutely love that. What is um, something good that happened today or what is something good that happened this week? Because you're changing their mindset in that moment as you ask them and then you're creating a parameter for them to like do a reel from. So that is a great question. I'm going to put that on the board. Especially with, Um, with kids, right? When you've got children and you'll often ask them what you're grateful for and they'll say the same thing every day. I'm grateful for daddy. I'm grateful for mommy. And I'm like, let's think about deeper. <laughs> what else are you grateful for? Um, so yeah, really good for, for kids to try and think about what it could be from school or lunch or whatever. So what about your question? Okay, so the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, just reeling in a lot of things. Um, probably there's two. So the, I think the one that I would probably land on is um, giving birth. Um the third child that I gave birth to um, decided to do all-natural VBAC. Um, so the first one had been awful induction, did not go well. The second one had been an awful C-section, did not go well. So I made the leap that um, I'm going to go all-natural, no drugs, um, birth. And um, hired a doula, did the Bradley classes, um, really educated myself a whole lot more. And the day that we went into, I went into labor, um, my doula had emergency surgery. So she wasn't able to be there for the labor or anything. So the scariest thing to me was it was all up to me. Um, and, uh, again, this is before I'd done a whole lot of work. So I still thought my body was broken. I didn't believe I could do this without her in the room with me. Mm-hmm. I thought that she was the reason I was going to have, um, uh, give birth instead of being wheeled into the operating room again. Um, so, um, the scariest thing was, uh, the moment it came to push, I knew it was the time to push and I knew the position. It's that moment where you have to give in and you have to surrender to yourself. And I think that was the scariest thing that I ever did. 
um, to just let go and let my body do and be without this constant chatter. Mm-hmm. Um, turned out incredible. It was the most healing. I only pushed for like 20 minutes and she came out and she's over nine pounds and like a monster of a baby. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was scary. That was so scary. Um, because I was still in my head, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to kill the baby. I'm going to kill myself, you know? So, um, scary just to let go and be. Gosh, crazy. And again, like what, what an amazing experience to, to have to go through essentially, right? Like what a blessing for you, like what a healing experience for you to be able to go through that. Um, it's amazing how, how our bodies work, right? And what happens in the end sometimes. Uh, and I can I feel you on that. Like, I mean, I, I don't have kids. I haven't had a baby. But I feel you on that, that letting go front. Like, I spend a lot of time, like, holding on to, to trauma. And I can imagine that you've done exactly the same of, like, no one needs to know this. Like, no one needs to feel this pain. Like, it's much easier if I just hold on to it and never let go of it. No one needs to know. Like, it'll be much easier if I just keep it inside. And when you have to let go of that or release that, it's it's really scary because you almost have to entrust whoever it is who's around you or just the universe in itself to take care of what it is that you're giving out. And it's like relinquishing that control when you feel like you've had control over your whole life when really you haven't. But it's, yeah, it's hard. Yes, yes, uh, it is hard. And, it, and I think trauma too, like you shared, we get so... Um, wrapped in in the trauma that it almost becomes an appendage of itself so letting it go is like you're actually letting a physical piece of you go which is what birth is Mm -hmm. and I think that um, society has done a disservice to women Mm -hmm. and that giving birth is easy and that we've been doing it for so long and that if you do have a c-section you're not good enough instead of women tribes coming together and telling women what birth will be like like our doulas and midwives and just like that conversation is incredibly empowering for women if someone had told me from my first kid on what it would be like instead of the TLC baby stories that I um binge watched on I think I would have been (laughs) so much better set up with Ina Mae Gaskin than the TLC stories right like there's a romanticizing of what birth is like that Ina Mae Gaskin and her farm just walks you a different path so um, I'm so grateful, like you said, that I got to have that healing birth um, because it is, it's incredible when you get to have the birth that you set out to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard when you plan a birth and it doesn't go quite, or anything, anything we do, it mm-hmm. doesn't go the, the way we've foreseen it to go. It's, we do a little bit of a realignment and then sometimes we, we can't. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? The last three podcasts I've recorded every woman has said that that's been the scariest moment of their life. Every single one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so funny. I haven't had one like for my whole first series and then second series. It's like pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnancy. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Um, Cool. So my last question for you is what's uh, the biggest bit of advice that you could give to our listeners today? Biggest piece of advice um, would be just say it. Whatever's in your head that you are circling around that you think people will not accept you for or will not love you for, 
um, just say it and just release it into the universe. Because even if you yell it where nobody can hear you, it's out in the open and it's less scary. And if the people aren't going to stick around after you shared, it's those aren't your people, which I know it's scary to feel alone, but you're already alone if you're not sharing who you are. So um, just say it. Love it. That's so good. So simple. So good. <laughs> just say it. Awesome. Well, honey, thank you so much for jumping on with us today. It's been a wonderful experience to, to chat to you and learn everything. Gosh, I mean, there's more. I feel like we could be talking here for hours. <laughs> We've got a busy day ahead. So uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to share your story. And I know that this is going to help so many people actually literally thinking of someone who's just had a concussion last year and then got rear-ended again last week. Um, I've had her second concussion, so I guarantee this is probably going to help her. Um, So I'll be really excited to share that with her as well. But thank you so much for jumping on with us today and I hope that you have a wonderful day. Yeah, right back. A day filled with gratitude and I hope that the rest of your um, quarantine hoteling stays goes well and you um, are able to go out into your your homeland soon yay if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and head on over to itunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five star review i can't wait to hear what you took from it and how you're going to implement all the knowledge that you've learned today